or this song that David is singing, or rather that the sons of Korah are singing in Psalm 84. Look at it in verse 1. How lovely is your dwelling place, Lord Almighty. My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. Even the sparrow has found a home, and the swallow a nest for herself, where she may have her young, a place near your altar. Lord Almighty, my King and my God, blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. As they pass through the valley of Baca, they make it a place of strings, a springs. The autumn rains also cover it with pools. They go from strength to strength till each appears before God in Zion. Hear my prayer, Lord God Almighty. Listen to me, God of Jacob. Look on our shield, O God. Look with favor on your anointed one. Let's read verse 10 together. One, two, three. Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Thank you. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in you. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Isn't that powerful? Going back to verse 1. We see that this is coming from the sons of Asaph who worked with David. If you go up just a little bit further so you can see the authorship there, please. They worked with David, the sons of Korah. They were minstrels with David, and they were prophesying these things in front of the temple. They went from the time of the ark being brought in to Jerusalem to the time of Solomon building the temple, and these descendants also were around during the time of the exile. We don't know exactly when they wrote it, at what time period they wrote it, but these would be the kinds of songs that the people of God would sing about being in God's presence. As you notice here that this psalm is a psalm of joyful deliverance for the people of God in the presence of God. And yet they have a longing to be there more than what they are. So imagine you living during this time knowing that if you can just get to the temple of God, you can be delivered. You could experience power. You could experience the presence of God. Imagine that feeling of once you arrive there to receive your miracle, to receive the forgiveness through the atonement and the sacrifices. Imagine the expectation and then the fulfillment of those desires that you would experience But then at the same time, imagine leaving the temple, leaving that place, what that would begin to do to your heart. What would you feel like as you're walking away? You would probably feel like you're leaving the presence of God. Now, even back then, the Jewish people understood that God is everywhere and that God was always with his people, that he could hear their prayers, and that he could answer them in their different places and walks of life. But there was something special about that temple. 
The presence of God was literally there. The miraculous power of God was there. And they understood that there was a difference between when they would be praying to God out in the field, in their home, on their jobs, traveling, and when they prayed in the temple. They understood that there was something special about the temple. Now do you understand why after in the first verse... They are describing the beauty of the temple. Verse 2 says, my soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of God. Because what they're saying is, I can't wait to go back to that place where I expect God to do something great in my life. I know that when I pray, they might think to themselves, I know that when I pray, when I'm out in the fields, planting, sowing, reaping, I know God hears me. But I know that there's something different when I pray here in this temple. Oh, that I could go from my field to the temple right now. This is the heart of the person writing this. They're saying, I'm not there right now. I wish I was. I know God is still good where I'm at, but my soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. Imagine them on maybe their annual pilgrimage. Even then, sometimes they couldn't make it once a year. But let's say they had their stuff together. They could make it once a year. What do you think it would then feel like as they began to see the courts of the temple, as they saw them a long way off? They would be excited and full of joy, knowing, I have arrived. It's like a sparrow finding its home. It's like a nest for me. Keep going, please, now to verse 4. They said that like how it is with birds in their nest because they could also nest around the temple. I want to be like that bird. Blessed are those who dwell in your house. They are ever praising you. Speaking about the Levites and those who had a very unique privilege In the Jewish faith, they could go as much as they wanted. And as a matter of fact, they were commanded to live around the temple and to be in that temple night and day. And so now this person is crying out on behalf of all the rest who don't get that privilege. Blessed are those. Blessed are those Levites who get to always be here. They don't get to leave. They're always praising you. He says, blessed are those whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. So not all of us can live there, but there's also a blessing this person is saying to those who set their heart on the pilgrimage. You're blessed that you know in your heart you get to go. You get to look forward to it throughout the year to present yourself before God, to experience His presence. Sometimes it would be so thick that the people working in the temple couldn't work anymore. It would lay them all on their faces before God. The people of God describe it at times as a fire. At night, a cloud by day, the glory of the Lord would be there. And as they would make this pilgrimage, they would pass through the Valley of Baca, which is the place of mourning, a place that would be a little bit distasteful. It would be like a wilderness. It wouldn't be where you would want to be for very long. It's like when I'm passing through Gary to come to Chicago. No offense to folks in Gary. I'm coming home to Chicago, but whoa. Okay, I got to get through Gary, baby. Let's hope the tires don't fail me now, Jesus. You know what I'm talking about, some places you pass through and you're just like, I got to get through here. 
Don't let, and, and then there's always that place that, where they have that quarry, that big place, that, that scary place where they dug down like three miles down into the abyss. It's like, Lord, don't let the tires give out here, Jesus. That, that's what it was like when you were in the Valley of Baca. Don't let it in here, Jesus. Bring me all the way to the place that fills up the water, the pools, where I can have strength to make it through and to appear before you. Hear my prayer, O God. Look on my shield. Keep going to verse 10, please. And then he says it better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. The writer here is saying it's worth the journey. It's worth the pilgrimage. Imagine this. They've saved up all year long. They've passed through the valley. They've gotten to the place where they can see the courts. And they are now saying, I would rather be here. I would rather be here by my God's presence in this temple for one day at the door than dwell in the greatest tents of the wicked. You can imagine the heart that these faithful Jewish people would have during their times of exile or the times of persecution. They would see these great palaces, these great kingdoms, and they would say probably to their friends, maybe in these different places like Babylon or in Assyria, they would say to them, I know it looks great here. I know it looks amazing here with these great places where the wicked dwell, but there is a place where my people get to dwell with God. Oh, that you could see it. It's greater than all of this wickedness we see now. I can imagine them telling to the people around them, I would rather be, Daniel saying to his friends that he was making in Babylon, I would rather be one day back in Jerusalem by the temple of my God, the house of my God, than to be here in the courts of King Nebuchadnezzar. And it says here that the Lord is a son. It's not just that the Lord is kind of what we get an upgrade in in life. He kind of makes life better. No, God is the source of everything. God is a son and a shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing does we withhold from those who love him. Blessed are those who trust in him. And even today, if you look at our currency, it says in God we trust. And we're supposed to do that instead of trusting in money. Can I hear an amen? This was the plight of the Jewish people. God was separating a people unto himself. He wanted his spirit to be on all of them. He wanted to actually communicate with all of them. But because when they met with God as Moses was on the mountain, they became afraid and said, no, you talk to God for us. From that point on, they needed a mediator. They couldn't have themselves the presence of God, each and every one, only a few. That was by their own doing. They now had to live in this situation where God felt close to them in some ways, but in other ways was far away. Somebody say, until Jesus. Hallelujah, then Jesus came. Go to John chapter 1. Verse 1 and then verse 14. I want to tie some things together. Somebody say, better is one day. Amen. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Isn't that amazing that Jesus was with the Father, equal with divinity to divinity with the Father? Now go to verse 14. And the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Do you know that the Greek word there for dwelling means tabernacled, templed, pitched a tent next to us? 
So instead of now this tent being in one place, this tabernacle of God's presence being in Jerusalem that everybody had to go to, now the tabernacle of God is among men in the person of Jesus Christ, and he's bringing it everywhere he goes. Everywhere Jesus goes is the presence of God. Everywhere Jesus goes is the walking temple, in other words. Jesus came and brought the temple to us. Now go to the book of Luke, to the end of Jesus' earthly ministry, Luke chapter 23, verse 44. We see now that there cannot be two places where people need to go for God to meet with them. Here we see that now the transition is going to be done once and for all from where the temple was in the stance of the people of God with the presence of God now unto Christ. We see here at the crucifixion, verse 44, it was now about noon and darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. This is Good Friday. And the sun stopped shining And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. At that moment, God was now saying once and for all, the temple that I am now dwelling in is in Christ, and all those who are in Christ are going to have that which was in the temple. Are you tracking with me? Now go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, Paul pulls together this great theology starting in verse 16. He ties it together for us now to get the revelation. He says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple? Well, what happened? See, Christ who came in the flesh to be God's temple, has then multiplied himself not only in the flesh of Jesus, the Son coming into Jesus, coming into a body being the God-man, but now God by the Spirit is coming into Joe, coming into Juan, coming into Daryl, coming into Anthony, coming into Lauren, coming into Ruby, coming into Malia. It is now for everyone. The temple of God is now given to the people of God by the Spirit of God. Help this preacher preach this morning. Do you understand the great privilege that we have? We have the answer to the longing of what the sons of Korah wrote about in Psalm 84. Don't you know? Come on, look at your neighbor and say, don't you know? Don't you know, Nathan? You are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in you. We have to be reminded of this. This should not be something that we take lightly, that we are God's temple, that God's Spirit is with us, that what they were longing for, that what these people were longing for in the time when the psalm was written, we now get to have every day in our prayer closet. We get to have every time we call out on the name of Jesus, that we know Jesus is close to us, that Jesus is with us, that he has baptized us with his Holy Spirit as we were even praying here, and that we can lay hands on our children and bless them as the priests used to bless the people. We can now speak life and healing over the sick. 
Where two or three are gathered together, the church is there. Jesus is there. The temple is there. The Spirit is there. The authority is there. The promises of God are there. I wish somebody would be happy to be there today. Better is one day. Better is one day with God than a thousand elsewhere. That's why as when Pastor Lauren was talking about those suffering in times of persecution, they're where God is. They are in the presence of God and no one can take that from them. They are God's temple. And so are we. And today we have to be encouraged by that reality because the reality is that things come and go all the time. We're not promised tomorrow, and we could be discouraged and distracted by the things of this world, or we can be empowered by who we are in Christ. We are the temple of God. When we stand on the streets, we're bringing the presence of God. That's why demons act up and act crazy, because we are exposing the darkness with the light in Jesus' name. That's why the world doesn't like us, because Jesus loves us. Because Jesus has made us different, amen? And that's why we can stop the ways of darkness. We can stop them in their tracks. We can cast out demons. We can heal the sick. Oh, that people today would see the great joy and privilege it is to be God's temple. So let's go back to Psalm 84. And let's see ourselves as the one that is the one living in the temple. Let's see ourselves as the one that is getting to ever praise God. How lovely is your dwelling place? Point to God's dwelling place, people. How lovely is your dwelling place? Hallelujah. You need to look at yourself in the mirror when you wake up in the morning and say, Lord, how, how, how lovely is your dwelling place, oh God. You need to believe God has made you fearfully and wonderful and lovely. How lovely is your dwelling place, oh God. My soul yearns, even faints for the courts of God. I'm not fainting anymore. I'm not yearning to go to that place. I'm happy I'm already here. I'm not fighting to get into the presence. I'm living in the presence. The presence of God is not something I have to fast 40 days for. The presence of God is my default. That's how I start. I start in the presence of God. I look at the other religions and I say, I say, you're even worse than the Jews because you're yearning for something that can never satisfy. At least they could go there once a year and get it. But I got it 365. I got it 24-7. Hallelujah. I got it three in the morning when I get woke up. Amen. I got it when I go to bed, when I get up, and in the middle of the night. Come on. We need to believe it. And that's why still our heart and our flesh cry out. You know your spirit's willing, but your flesh is weak. This flesh cries out all the time, and you need to give your flesh Jesus. Give your flesh Jesus. Don't let your flesh talk you into another hamburger. Don't let your flesh talk you into more alcohol. Don't let your flesh talk you into pornography. Let your flesh bring you to your knees and call out to Jesus because he's good all the time, and all the time he's good. He'll never let you down. He'll never let you down. Come on, somebody. He's never let you down. He has never let me down. He's been good to me. He's been good to you. And my heart and my flesh, they remember that, and I got to put it in check every time. 
Go back to Jesus' heart. Go back to Jesus' flesh. I will praise him. Amen? That's why you got to tell yourself, I will raise my hands. I will shout. I will meditate on the things of God. I won't allow stinking thinking to take over. I'll be renewed in my mind because that's what I was made for. I was made to be a temple. I was made to be lovely. You were made to be a temple of God. Even the sparrow found a home. I'm glad I found a home. I'm not jealous of that bird anymore living up in the temple uh, pillar over there. I mean, the man was so hungry for God's presence. He said, I'm jealous of that bird. That bird gets to be here every day. No, man, I got a nest in the Lord today. I'm under the shadow of the Almighty. He's inside and out of me. In him I live and move and have my being. He's closer to me than the air that I breathe. Hallelujah. The bird is jealous of me now because I can, I can do what he can't do. I can cast out demons with the presence of the Lord. I can heal the sick with the presence of the Lord. We've got authority and power over these birds. I'm not jealous of a bird anymore. Come on. And the altar has been fixed in my heart. I've been crucified with Christ. It is not I who lives, but Christ in me. He's God Almighty. He's my King. He's my God. And blessed is Joe. Blessed is Juan. Blessed is Joselito because they dwell in the house of the Lord and they're ever praising God. Come on. That's who we are. And that's why the name of our church is Metro Praise International because we are the new city that God is building. We are the new Jerusalem, living stones being built one upon another to be a house of praise in this city. To let them know how good God has been. They may have an ugly look on their face, but my frown's been turned upside down, baby. God's been too good for me to get nasty with you. I'm going to praise him right in front of you. I'm going to make you jealous by how good God has been to me. God took me off drugs. God took me out of the counselor's seat. Come on, somebody. God has taken me out of being a high school dropout. He's been too good. I'm going to ever be praising him. Is anybody praising God in this place today? Woo! Hallelujah! Metro praise. Praise his name. Hallelujah! Glory to God. We are the blessed people who have the strength of God today. And our pilgrimage, our pilgrimage now is not for ourselves because we're walking and talking with Jesus every day. Our pilgrimage is for others to get them out of the valley, to get them out of being busted and disgusted. That's why we go back to Baca. We go back there to bring them out in Jesus' name. We go to the abortion clinics to bring them out because some folks here have had abortions and they know what it's like to be in the valley of abortion. That's why they got to go back into an abortion clinic and tell somebody get out of the valley of mourning and death and come into parenthood that's why we got to go to the high schools and tell young people stop being crazy because we used to live there and now we're going to pass through with them for their sake we going back in Jesus name we're going to go back to the valley of mourning not for ourselves but for them to rescue them, to take them on that pilgrimage from out of the flesh into the spirit, into the things of God. That's why he hears me when I pray. I don't have to wonder. I know he hears me when I pray. He's my God. He's not just the God of Jacob. He's Joe's God. He's Andre's God. Are you listening, somebody? He is our God today. He's Monica's God. 
And that's why I know he looks on me with favor. He favors me because the anointed one, Christ, he anointed me, glory to God. He gave me an anointing that broke a yoke off of me, and now I'm set free to set others free. Hallelujah. I'm now the anointed one here that God is watching and keeping his eye on. I I am a Christ follower. I am an anointed one follower. I'm like the anointed one in Jesus' name. He hears me when I pray. He's favoring me on the job. Anybody here being favored on the job? Anybody here being favored? Even though the enemy doesn't like it, God's still favoring you? Hallelujah. I like it when the devil gets mad. That means Jesus getting glad. Amen. I'm happy. I'm happy that they try to hold us back. They're just part of the test that becomes a testimony. Are you listening? You can't stop what God has started. You can't close what God has opened. He favors his anointed. He's favoring you. He's favoring me because the Holy Spirit is on us. That's why better is one day here serving Jesus than a thousand elsewhere. Don't let the devil ever tempt you about the past, those times you had when you weren't serving God. Don't let him tempt you with that because all of those days lead to death and destruction. Remember how good God has been to you, how good it felt when you first came into the presence of the Lord and knew something was different on the inside of you. Remember what it felt like to get sweet forgiveness and come out of shame and guilt and condemnation. I couldn't stop crying for three days, and still to this day when I think about how good God has come, has done for me, what he's I promised me, tears come down my eyes. God has been so good, so faithful. I would rather be here than anywhere else because this is where I live. I live in God's presence. How many know God is a sun and a shield to you today, protecting you from the things of the devil and the enemies? The Bible says that you have a shield of faith. You have the helmet of salvation, spiritual armor, a belt of truth. These things are here to protect us and to keep us strong in our fight against the enemy because we are God's anointed ones with a task to set others free. And the Bible says he doesn't withhold anything good from us and that our walks are blameless before him and that we are blessed. Somebody say, I'm blessed because I trust him. Amen. Vinny, would you come please? I want to keep this moving in what God has already been doing in our service. I had this in my heart. God is a witness and so are the leaders from Thursday. I had this as our passage because he was working this word in my heart. I gave it as a staff devotion. But as I sensed the Lord in our, our worship time and prayer, it was just a confirmation that this needs to be our confession of faith. Because some of you, you feel that God is so far away. And maybe that is true if you are not a Christian. If you are here and you are not a Christian, we're happy you're here. And it is true that God is not as close as he could be because of your sin. Even though he loves you and his presence is around you, your heart may be keeping him from touching all the depths of who you are. As a Christian, we call on Jesus, and we know he's close. But if you're not a Christian, you need to call on Jesus to start a relationship to be close. It's like a marriage. You come in union. And so if you're here today as a non-Christian, please accept Christ as your Lord and Savior so all of this can be true for you. And how you become a Christian is very simple according to the Scriptures, but it's profound. You become a Christ follower by surrendering your life in repentance for that which you have done outside of his will for your life. And in that sweet surrender, in that repenting of the heart and mind, the changing of your priorities and thinking, you confess what you have done against his law, against his word, 
And then you confess his love for you, his forgiveness, and you confess him as your Lord and Savior. So we don't always uh, teach people a prayer, but it's good for you to know the kind of prayer you would want to pray. And even if you're already a Christian, you can remember this when you're sharing it with others and you're preaching. The kind of prayer a sinner needs to pray is a prayer that says, God, have mercy on me. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me of these things I've done against you. I believe you died for me. You took my sins to forgive me out of your love and compassion. You were crucified, buried, rose again. And then you direct your heart towards God and say, Father, in the name of Jesus, fill me with your love. Fill me with your spirit. Change me. And the Bible says when you pray like that, you don't have to pray word for word, that kind of a prayer, but pray like that kind of a prayer. You will sense a new life come inside of you. You will be born again of the Spirit, the Bible says. Now, for the rest of us here and the majority of us here, this is where I feel we need to end our service, somewhat similar to how we began. And that is understanding that even in our hardest days, even in our greatest weaknesses, He is still close to us like this. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. I know that sometimes we feel so stressed in life that we believe that something has separated us from God. But if you are a Christian, you are not separated from God. That is just your heart and your flesh deceiving you with feelings and emotions. But they are not the fact of the matter. The fact of the matter is you are as close to God as you will ever be. In your most scariest situation, when your knees are shaking and your heart is beating and racing and your body is sweating and your, your hands are clammy and your mind is racing, God is still this close to you. And the way, the way to understand what he wants to do in your life is not to start speaking in faith, God, uh, and speaking in doubt. God, where are you? Where are you? I'm so scared. He'll hear you. Trust me, he hears those prayers. But as you want to grow in your faith, what you want to do in those moments is just start praising him and saying, God, I know you're close to me. I know you're near to me, nearer than the air that I breathe. You are a sun and a shield to me. I am dwelling in your presence right now. Even though my knees are shaking and my heart is beating and my mind is racing, you are my strength. You are my sun. You are my shield. You are favoring me in this moment. And what you will notice and it's an old-time saying, but it's so true, that as your praises go up, the blessings start to come down. As you start to praise God, your body will start to submit to the Spirit of God. I wish I could teach this to counselors, and they wouldn't think I was weird because they try so many ways to help people with anxiety come down from these panic attacks and these, and these, these moments of great anguish. I wish that we could have Christians that would teach them these principles because they are not only naturally beneficial, but the Spirit of God is behind them. They come in power. When you start praising God, your mind will start being at peace.
because your mind can't race a million miles an hour while you're praising God. The mind will start going in the direction of your shouts. The mind will start going in the directions of your praise. The mind will start going on the direction of what you are speaking out. How many have ever seen God save you from an anxiety attack, a panic attack? How many have ever seen God deliver you from depression, despair? I mean, I'm just telling you it's happened for me. It's happened for me. And what we will begin to understand in our times of discouragement is that that is just part of what I call the valley of the shadow of death. We're all passing through this valley of shadow of death. Death is a shadow over us in this shadow land. People come and go. People die. Things die. Dreams die. And in the shadow land, where does the Bible say we are with him? It says, though I pass through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Do you see the difference of how we're supposed to go through the valley? How we're supposed to go through our hardest times? We go through them professing, I know you're with me. I know you're with my heart and my flesh are crying out and I know you're with me. I can sense your rod, your strength because I can't do it on my own. The prayer of proclamation of the presence of God will change the circumstance. Some of us as Christians are waiting for the circumstance to change and then we're going to start praising but the Bible says you praise first and then the circumstance change. You praise God in the jail cell and then a son of God may show up in the jail, in the jail cell or God himself. Are you listening? You, you have and I have to learn to ever be praising him. Ever be praising him. I want it to be second nature. I want to train myself I want to train my flesh to cry out to God instead of crying out to the things of this world. I want to train my heart to speak the things of God instead of the things of fear. This is what's going to get us through the next season. And I know a lot of you are going through tough times right now. And we are a church of faith, and sometimes you may feel that bringing a prayer request means you don't have faith, or confession your weakness means you don't have faith. No, the Bible makes an allowance for us to confess weakness. The Bible makes an allowance for us to make prayer requests known. But at, at the same time, but what is most important is that after we've confessed our weakness, oh, I feel weak, I don't know how, we then confess our strength in Christ, but I know God is able. He is the strength when I am weak. He is the sound mind when my mind is restless. He is my joy when I feel sad. Are you tracking with me? He is what I am not in my flesh. He is what I am not in the strength of my own ability. He is my son. He is my shield. And so as we mature in this, we will learn to trust God. And I just want to end on this today. As we go back, uh, worship band, would you come please? Singing just a song to the Lord from our heart of trust. And then I want you to apply it to whatever situation you're facing, that you'll trust him. 
I remember there was a situation between Irving Park, uh, our campus there, and here we had to make some transitions. And it was a tough time. It was around 2008 during the recession. A lot of things were going wrong in people's lives in the church. Financially, it was tough for our nation. I remember having to leave that location, shutting it down. I felt as a failure, uh, ashamed, embarrassed. I didn't even know then if we could make the rent for my home, my house. And I remember calling up my dad and saying, because at that time they lived in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and asking him, I, I believe I had two or three children at that time, if I could come back home, come on, listen to me, as a man with two or three kids, asking him if I could come back home to live and then travel here to pastor. It's a three-hour drive. I was so scared. And I remember my dad saying, God has a better way. God has a better way. But at that time, I actually took that as my dad copping out. I said, no, I need you to tell me. I can come there and stay. He said, I'm not going to tell you that. He said, if everything goes wrong, yeah, I, I, might, I might, you know, I will. He was kind of messing with me a little bit. But he said, I don't want to even let those words come out of my mouth. He said, what I want to tell you is what the Lord wants you to hear. There's a better way. And listen to me, my friends. I know some of you go to people to tell your problems, and you want them to fix it in the flesh. But what you really need is someone to speak to you in faith and say, there's a better way. There's a better way. Some of you want permission to leave your marriage, but you need to go to a godly couple who will look at you and say, there's a better way. Some of you want to marry the person you're with now, but they're not right for you. And you want someone to tell you that's going to make life good. But you need the Christian to tell you there's a better way. Young people, you're wanting to make life decisions and you want to go to some of these friends that are going to tell you it's the right way. But no, you need to hear somebody say that's the wrong way. There's a better way. And it's God's way. It's trusting God. It's trusting God's presence. It's trusting God's solutions. It's trusting God's word. And so what did I have to do? I had to go back into my prayer closet, and I had to pray a prayer like this. Though my mother and father forsake me. <laughs> Seriously, you can ask my dad. I said, though my mother and father forsake me, you, God, will never forsake me. I have never seen your descendants begging for bread. And God made a better way. And so if you were to ask me, Joe, how did you get through that? I got through that in the house of God, in the presence of God. God being with me, being a son and a shield. One other testimony. I'm just telling my story. Somebody say, this is his story. Say, I got my own. See, you got your own, but I got to testify about mine first. Are you listening? Just to encourage somebody here. That one was financial. The other one was my wife and I were leaving Lauren's um, house. There was a birthday party celebration, and we were driving, singing songs, literally worship songs, talking about Jesus, being excited for what the Lord had in store for us. And a person ran a red light. I believe I had four children at that time. Ran a red light crushed our minivan and sent my wife to the hospital just coming home from a birthday party. We went from worshiping 
to me having to figure out what is going on. I didn't know if any of the kids were hurt or injured. Thank God they were safe. But my wife's right leg, was, her foot was just dangling like this, shattered right here. Now, I'm, I don't know if you know me very well, but I'm not really like a stay-at-home dad in the sense of like a daddy daycare, okay? If anybody knows that about me, I think I wait till they're about three or four, and then I start really getting to know them, half kid. But all the baby years, I know some of you know me like that, all the baby years, man, I just, I just love them and hug them, and then I hand them back to Nancy, and I say, do what you do, mama, do what you do. Keep doing it. You're doing good. And I'm looking at four kids, and I think they're all like seven and under, seven, five, three, two, something like that. And mom just goes to the hospital. Mom's gone. And now I got to go home that night without mom. Four kids. Are you all listening to me? Somebody say, this is his story. But I got mine. Come on, you got to have yours, but I'm just telling mine right now. Now, for some of you, that might just be a breeze. You're used to those kinds of things. I was not. I had to have every bit of faith to look every one of those kids in the eyes and say, we're going to be okay. We're not going to starve. First thing we're going to do is we're going to get my in-law, your yaya, grandma here, and I'm going to get backup. I'm going to get help. And then Nancy, mom, had to go through all of these surgeries. I had to go to Ikea buy her a bed to put it on the first floor because she couldn't go up and down. She was drugged up half the day. She had to go back and forth to the hospital for all of these things. And yet God began to give me a word during that time that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then before you know it, I got an apron on. I have a dish towel over my shoulder. I'm making food, kitchen smelling good, coming on over. I'm inviting the neighbor kids over. We got more than enough. Come on over. Wash your hands first. And I, I, I don't know how. This is one of those things. I'm telling you right now, I don't know how we got by those three months. But we did. And we didn't come out crazy. We came out blessed. We came out favored. The Lord did great works in my life. I changed as a man, as a husband. I grew as a person. A test became a testimony. I saw God's favor in my wife's life. We got to take that person to court and get paid and then, you know, have something to put in the bank. Are you listening to me? You know, good things came out of that. Children got some college fund out of that. Praise the Lord. Mama got some petties out of that. And we look back on it now and we say God had his hand in it from the moment of the accident to the settling of the court to the children. Now, if you talk to most of them here, they don't remember it. And that was my biggest fear is that it would scar them. They would be afraid to go back into the car. But God was faithful. Somebody say trust in God. Amen. Would you stand up and give it up for Jesus? Amen and amen. Before we ask the altar workers to come, I'm just going to ask that we would raise our hands in a sign of worship. Temples of the Holy Spirit today. If you don't know Jesus, would you ask him into your heart right now, just on your own, and pray a prayer similar to what we just prayed. The rest of us, would you just start worshiping him and thanking him for his nearness in your life and all the good that he's done. Worship team, would you prepare to sing in just a moment? But right now, let us all just thank him for what he's done. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for being a good father.
Thank you, Holy Spirit, for filling us. Thank you, Jesus, for dying and rising for us. Thank you that I'm your temple today. I'm never far away from you. Troubles may come and go, but you never leave me. Anyone going through a situation, throwing up those hands, say, I surrender. I surrender every situation I'm going through. I don't know how I'm going to make it through, but I trust you, oh God. I'm like a bird nested in your house today. I'm trusting you in my finances. I'm trusting you in my marriage. I'm trusting you in my community. I'm trusting you in my family. God, you're going to do it. God, you said that you would. You'll withhold nothing good from me. You favor me. I am your anointed, oh God. Come on, somebody say that today. I am God's anointed for the task ahead of me. He will favor me with everything that I need. Come on, say the Lord is my son. He is my shield. I trust in him. A few more moments right now, and then we'll ask the altar workers to come, and we'll close out in worship, but praise him, praise him, praise him. Praise him with your words, hands raised high. Praise him. Praise him for today. Praise him for life. Praise him for what he did yesterday. Praise him for his goodness, his kindness, his faithfulness. Praise him that he never broke a promise to you. A few moments right now, renew your mind in the word of God. Renew your mind. Speak words of faith, saints. Speak words of faith. Hallelujah. This... This may not be the easiest thing you hear today, but it's the best thing for you. There still may be a test ahead of you. You may want, wish it could go away and you're going to try to do something easier, but the Bible says it's going to feel like he's carrying a burden for you. So don't be afraid of it because his yoke is easy and his load is light. So it may not be the thing you want to hear, but it's what you need to hear. Altar workers, would you come? And I just want to make sure that we pray for anyone here that is wanting to be a Christian. Maybe this is your first time doing that or a rededication. Or anyone here that just needs to be encouraged that God's in you today. That's what these altars will be for before at first. And then anyone else for any need, please come. These are prayer workers here to take any prayer request. But as we get ready to close out in worship. I just want to welcome those to this altar that either just need to come to Christ, rededicate, or just need encouragement today for whatever you're facing. Father, I thank you that you brought us to church today to hear your word and be encouraged to worship and to be ever praising you. I ask that now you bless us as we leave with your temple, as we leave with your temple to our different places that we have to go today. Would you send us with your power, send us with your anointing and your favor to change the world for good so that it's never the same again, that your kingdom to come, your kingdom will come on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name, and all God's temples said, come on, and all God's temples said, amen. God bless you. God bless you. You are dismissed. If you want to be dismissed, go ahead. Otherwise, we're going to worship and praise God in closing. We're going to dismiss out this side door, but you don't have to leave if you don't want to. Feel free to pray and worship. Otherwise, have a beautiful day. God bless you.